In 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 27, Paul says, I discipline my body and make it my slave. You know, we often forget, guys, that God has called us to steward the bodies he gave us so that we'll be ready, healthy, and spiritually dangerous to fight the good fight, whether it's working at your job, serving your God, protecting your bride, or being a great dad to your kids. That's why we're so excited to partner with Mountain Tough Fitness Lab. Mountain Tough Fitness Lab is run by Christian men who are passionate about training you to be your best version and to stay dangerous and ready for God. Join me on my journey by going to mountaintough.com. That's M-T-N-T-O-U-G-H and getting your free six-week trial when you type in the code ARENA30. You won't be disappointed. Stay dangerous. Welcome to the Man Card Podcast and our mission to build an army of men in the arena who are becoming the best version of themselves in changing their world. Males are born. Men are made. We're going to separate the men from the boys. A man is as a man does. We want to help you to become the best version of you. Theodore Roosevelt spoke about this rare breed saying, the credit belongs to the man who is actually in the arena whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood. That's awesome. The man card belongs to those protecting integrity, fighting apathy, pursuing God passionately, leading courageously, and finishing strong. A man is as a man does. Enjoy today's episode. Men in the Arena Army, we We salute salute you. you. Guys, we are honoring you today. Because you are grinding it out in the stress bubble of life. Males have retreated into the anonymous bleachers, but you are known. You're known because you're in the arena where people are watching you wield the sword, baby. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Man Card Podcast, where we interview manhood specialists who will inspire you to become your best version. Guys, we're pumped that you're listening today. Our goal today is to call you into the arena, to call you out of every obstacle, preventing you from becoming your best version, and to call you up to higher levels of manhood and your full potential as a man. I am Jim Ramos, and I am here with the MDiv of sound, the PhD of the sound machine, the master of disaster, Dr. Pat George. Disaster. Uh, Good to be here. Good to be here today. Yeah. Oh, man. And on my left, I've got the backbone of the Man Card Podcast, my producer, good buddy, <laughs> Dale Culver. How you doing, man? Uh, I'm doing much. Did you like my little uh, Roscoe P. Coltrane there? Yeah, better that you're I made not that rubbing up. That my leg anymore with your foot. I was not rubbing your Dude, leg. What was like, up with that? Who was, was touching all of a my you leg? Kicked me. You got your foot all Dude, the way over I'm here under the, the table. Stop, rubbing. stop touching my leg. <laughs> what did he call you earlier? Oh yeah, hey sweetheart. He's calling. I called in. you the My, backbone, not the, the back leg bone. bone. Yeah. Well, well, when Tom was calling us in, hey, honey, can you? I think he's calling, honey. <laughs> I did call Tom, honey, on accident. You called oh. me, honey. Oh, dang no, it, it was Dale. Well, that wasn't on accident. That was on purpose. Ugh, just, <laughs> we need to talk to about some man rules oh, right now. I ain't my your honey. goodness, do you got a man word for me Turn today? Him over. <laughs> do you got a man word for me today? I do. So, can I guess it? Do I have a chance? I don't think I have you a chance. You don't have a chance. Okay, in, I'm not even gonna try to guess. In heck. Is the man word heck? No, it's, oh. you don't have a chance in heck. Oh, shoot. It is 
develop. A De- man De- develop. develops himself and makes himself better. He also develops uh, other people uh, to help them to be stronger, better, and uh, the best that they're supposed to be. So, well, I, yeah, I love that. I, uh, you know, I had a Bill Hybels once said, "Leaders are learners." I was listening to Ryan Mickler's podcast. He said, "Leaders are readers." Mm-hmm. Thought that was really good. Yeah, that I think that I think that as men, we are con- yeah. I think we're constantly growing and developing. And when I speak uh, to men about integrity, I say one of the and our and character. I define character as one of the traits that make up our fully formed integrity. Mm-hmm. And one of those traits is growth. Mm-hmm. We're constantly growing. We're never there. And so because we're never there, we have to grow. And not only that. The reason why we're never there and we have to grow is because we have people who are depending on us. You know, one of our mantras is when a man gets it, everyone wins. And we're saying we want guys to change their world. Well, the problem with the world of men is it's constantly changing as they're changing it because their world involves people. Children, grandchildren, friends, employers, employees, mm-hmm. buddies. And so we're constantly having to develop and work with these people and their issues. And it's a never-ending job. And so um, it really, really, inter- that's really good. I appreciate that, man. So thank you. Hey, before we get into today, I just want to share again. I'm super excited about this death threat going on. Got a guy from Wuchista signed up. We're going to come out there and hike over the Coast Ridge Range. Wusta. Yes. What did I say? Wuchista? You said, yeah. I'm so, thinking about Wuchista Shire sauce. Wusta. It's got an E-R on the end of it. Wusta. You don't, you don't it has an E. It. It's W O R C E S T E R. Yeah. Wusta. Wusta. Okay. But Manchester is pronounced Manchester. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, don't even. I don't even know how you pronounce <laughs> Worcestershire sauce. Anyway, so anyway, so we got this is gonna be a great event, guys. The Death Rock, forty-four miles, and so we'd love to have you guys get involved in that. Also, our Men in the Arena closed Facebook forum for men. I believe it is the best resource out there for Christian guys interacting uh, about what a man is and does. And we are averaging about fifteen hundred, twelve hundred guys on that page a month, and I'm excited to get that page to twenty thousand by next year at the end of the year. So, and also my book launch party is the 24th, which is coming up real quick of June. So if you want to come and party with us and celebrate that, we're going to unveil our newest board member hailing from Georgia. Super excited about that. And so, uh, Hey, I'm excited about today, guys. Got a friend of mine who I've known for about probably three years now, four years, Tom Gensler on the line. So uh, Tom, how you doing, my man? I'm doing excellent. Thank you, Jim. Hey, I'm super excited to have you on the show. So I'm going to read a little bit about your bio here. Tom is 38 years old, married to his beautiful wife, Lisa, 14 years. They have five kids, Ruby, eight, Moses, five, Gabriel, four, Shiloh, and Selah are twins, nine months old. Boy, this man's in the bubble. This is the definition of the stress bubble right here. Five kids all under nine years old. So how are you doing in the bubble, my man? We're doing well. I think it's difficult uh, to uh, parent five children in 2018. And one of our kids uh, spent four and a half months in a hospital. And so we, we lived in a hospital. The last nine months of my life, I've spent half of that living in a hospital. And so, you know, managing all that, uh, I think, certainly presents its own unique challenges and uh, can make life uh, very difficult. Well, yeah, and you're and you're in the middle of you work with men, so you've been six years full time. You were the director of ministry development for, and I always mess this up. Relevant, practical ministry for men. Was that right? Yes. Okay. 
and then you've uh, been doing that for six years. You you didn't author a book, but you've written one chapter called How to Disciple Men. And what, what book is that out of? Um, How to Disciple Men, Short and Sweet. Uh, it's a book from the National Coalition of Men's Ministry. Okay. Oh, you know what? I've seen that book. It's red and white, red yep. and white cover. I've seen yep. that book. Yeah, I saw that in Terre Haute at your event there. So anyway, his greatest accomplishments are being married and raising five kids. And so that's cool. So I love this part. I said, uh, we asked you what your passion was. And Tom said his passion is born from his own failures as a man and a husband. And what gets him out of bed in the morning is helping other men see they need to grow in Christ likeness and figure out godly manhood as Jesus modeled. So they are all about serving the local church to mature men in, in uh, Christ and impact their families and change their communities for the glory of God. And so, Tom, welcome to our show, man. We're going to throw you into the battle right here. We're going to throw you right into our rapid fire round. Are you ready for this? I'm ready. Okay, what I've done is I, I choose... Uh, different rounds each week, and for this one, for you, man, I chose the this or that round. So we're going to have fun. I'm just going to ask you some some serious, some just kind of funny questions about this or that. It's just our audience's way. It's our way of getting to know you, and our audience gets to know you, and it's your way of loosen up the juices a little bit. So here we go. First of all, you're a 38-year-old guy, so I'm curious about this. Do you prefer music from the 90s or music from the 80s? Um, 80s. Ah, like everybody else in the world. So, what? Well, so why eighties over nineties? Talk to me. So I would have grown up listening to music from the eighties. So I was born in seventy nine, and so uh, I think a lot of music from the eighties is just uh, what I identify with. It's uh, comfortable for me. Nineties um, music is just not uh, who I am. I hear you. I hear you. So how about this one here? Here's one that uh, that I know I'm really involved with: hamburgers or pizzas. Uh, <laughs> pizza. We love pizza. You know, and that's the one food I really don't have anymore, pizza. and I love pizza. Oh, wow. There's nothing really good for you in the pizza. The bread. He Once just, a week. The bread is the last super thing that's good gassy. for you. I just do not have pizza. I, I <laughs> love pizza, and uh, I just asked the question because I just want to taste it mentally. So here's one for you. We, so these two guys are going to get in a fight, and you're going to tell me who's going to win. Arnold Schwarzenegger in Conan the Barbarian or Sylvester Stallone in Rocky IV. Who's going to win in a fight? Rocky. Really? Wow. Oh, I would have thought the sword would have yeah, put him over the top. No, Rocky. Why Rocky? So I grew up watching all the Rockies, obviously, and Rocky uh, had a tenacity and uh, fight for life. Obviously, it's Hollywooded up, but um, that no give up attitude, that get hit, get back up again uh, is, is, I think, uh, something I identify with. I love it. Shanna was in Philadelphia. My wife's a flight attendant now. She's been a flight attendant for a month. And she flew to Philadelphia and did a tour, and she she uh, saw the Declaration of Independence, and she saw the Liberty Bell, and and uh, she saw the Rocky statue. And I'm like, that's the most iconic American thing by far. <laughs> yeah. so, anyway, she's like, I got to get you out of here. I'm like, oh, thank you for sending me that picture. All right, so speaking of my wife, let's talk about your wife. Would you rather cuddle on the couch or spoon in the bed? This is not sexual. <laughs> this is strictly cuddling forms. <laughs> Well, they have five kids. Yeah. <laughs> Under nine. 
Yeah, so having five kids means that, uh, you know, obviously cuddling on the couch because you have to be able to watch uh, the kids at the same time. That is true. Good answer. Good That's answer. good, man. That's good. See, we're in the spooning phase where the kids are all out of the house. So so would you rather – how about this one? You're going to die. Would you rather <laughs> die by hanging or by firing squad? I would rather be shot. Yeah, me too, man. That yeah. Well, you, what about – you're a chiropractor. you got to go by hanging. Yeah, I, Pat, you've got to be so hung. quick. You just well, it's, snap you're, that you'd be like going, oh, you're gonna send us. Yeah, you'd you'd diagnose. You know, I'm afraid color. they'd shoot and like hit my stomach instead of my heart or something. And I, well, I'll tell you what. I'd if I was the guy there. shooting you, I'd be aiming for other places. Yeah, just, yeah. Let, let, let's let this guy really hurt bad before he bleeds <laughs> yeah, out. Yeah, no but, kidding. But hanging for a chiropractor, it's the only way to go. Yeah, yeah, Man, no, short. And but I, I I agree, Tom. I would take the bullets, baby. I just take the I take the bullets. So. How about this? Massage your wife's feet or massage her shoulders? Shoulders. Yeah, that's what Pat would say, I'm too. I'm with you on that. Yeah. So how about this one? What do you prefer as far as it, the guys you work with, males or men? I like men. Why? I think our uh, just identifying with our culture. Uh, I like dealing with guys who don't get their feelings hurt. Uh, I like... Um, I like dealing with men's men, guys who, uh, you know, mean what they say and say what they mean. And, but at the same time, you know, you're able to, uh, you know, just brush it off. If someone makes a comment to you and move on with life, uh, not take it all personal. And so, but dealing with men for sure. I love it. M males and men are a different species of the human race. So, Hey, take a few minutes here and, uh, tell us your story, uh, kind of where you came from your background. And honestly, I don't even know it. I've spent a lot of time with, your co-laborer Tom Cheshire, aka Old Tom, <laughs> but I haven't spent a lot of time with you. So tell me a little bit about your story, man. Yep. So um, graduated high school, uh, joined the uh, Illinois Army National Guard, went to uh, infantry school as an infantryman. Uh, got through with that. I uh, went to uh, college all the while this whole time dating my wife lisa lisa and i've been actually been together for 21 years whoa and we uh, have been married for 14 years so you know went grew up going to school with lisa we you know broke on again off again you know all throughout um, me being in the the guard me going to school those kinds of things uh spent most of my working career in the automotive business my family owns a big car dealership oh. and um so i've worked in every area of the company literally from cleanup uh, to, you know, managing various aspects of the organization. And so I spent 14 years total in the car business. So I know everything about cars. I know a lot of people call me and ask me car questions about, uh, how much money do you think they're making on me? Or, uh, how do I fix this or that? Uh, and so I've literally done everything, you know, parts, delivery, cleanup, scrubbing toilets, uh, managing the company. And so that's where I cut my teeth on a lot of uh, just personnel development and, and, and really knowing how to manage people. Uh, but it was in 2003 that uh, I turned my life over to the Lord. And that was from a uh, kind of uh, failures in my own life. Lisa and I had been dating since 97. So from 97 to 03, Lisa and I dated and uh, we were really a mess. Uh, and I had grown up in the local church, uh, but, and, and I'd probably walked the aisle a few times seen, uh, you know, people get saved, but never really, my life never really changed. Uh, but in 2003, Lisa and I broke up for like the 15th time. <laughs> and, um, it was very, very hurtful. It was very personal. What had happened. We had cheated on each other. Just, it was just a mess. We were a mess. And so from that, 
I had said, hey, look, uh, if life's really just about uh, partying, you know, hooking up and having nice stuff and, 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 and uh, you know, fast cars, I've experienced all that. If this is what life has to offer, then I don't really want to live it anymore. And mm. so I, I went from that point and said, um, there's got to be another way of living. And literally in my parents' basement, uh, I would say the Holy Spirit came over me. And God really convicted me, and I said, "Living, uh, living a, a, a godly life is the only other way that there can be to live." Because I've experienced all of this other life, and so I literally surrendered my life by myself in my basement, I'm in my parents' house, 2003. And I tell people, growing up Baptist, I saw a million altar calls, so I knew how to say a sinner's prayer. I knew how to connect with God. Um, Lisa called me, you know, literally a couple of days later, and I said, hey, look, if we're going to work this out for the 15th time, then um, then we got to do it with God. And she basically at the time would have she said, you know, whatever, whatever I have to do to get to get back in with good standings with you. Uh, and I said, well, that's that's get That's turn your life over to God. And so um, we got we both we both were saved. We were both kind of chasing after God. And from 03 to uh, 05. We were finishing up our, our bachelor's degree. I got a bachelor's in business management. She got a bachelor's in uh, sociology. Uh, 2005, uh, I was actually pursuing seminary uh, in, in Springfield, Illinois, at Lincoln Christian Seminary. And I had a lot of pressure on me to get a real job uh, because we got, marri- we got married in 04. And so we were mar- a young, new married couple, newly saved, trying to figure life out, living in a townhouse. And from that point... Um, a lot of pressure to get get a real job, so I got the call from my family to come back to the company. Family company, going to give you a management job, company car, company benefits. Going to kind of really take me from you know Pooresville of uh, you know going to working on a master's degree, you know working part time to uh, a real job, making real money with real benefits. And so uh, took the job, came back. Within a couple of weeks, I realized. That I had made a mistake. It wasn't wasn't what uh, God had called me to do for my life. Hmm. But I was stuck because we bought a house and we were we were spending that big salary that I was making pretty quickly, right? And so, from '05 to '07, we uh, really struggled uh, in our walk with the Lord, and we 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 backslid. Like a lot of people identify with backsliding, we just kind of were going through the motions, going to church. I got wrapped up in uh, the American dream, I call it, making money capitalism, uh, doing well for myself. And so I was more worried about power and, and, and prestige, what I look like than I was being a godly man. So 05 to 07, uh, that song from Fireproof, Slow Fade, I say identifies with us. So we just slowly faded from church, slowly faded from each other. 07, my wife comes to me and says, I'm leaving you. And I remember at the time being devastated because at work, I was like a god. I managed like 30 people. I controlled a lot of people's destiny. I managed a multi-million dollar budget. And I was, uh, I was um, very successful. And so then at home, I was completely failing. Mm. And so oh, when she says, Tom, I'm leaving you, initially there was a lot of finger pointing. Everyone was mad at Lisa, because how would you leave a person, uh, me, who worked so hard to provide all these things, the dream house, the stuff, everything you wanted, Tom's provided it all. Uh, And then in 2007, while my wife left me by myself sitting in her house, I believe this is one of the most defining moments in my own spiritual walk, uh, the Lord really laid on my heart that I was the problem, that Lisa wasn't the problem, that I was the problem. And in that, uh, God really showed me how, yes, Lisa did make some mistakes in our marriage, 
but I had become this egotistical prick who thought only of himself, only of what I could get, how much money I could make, how cheap I could get anything else done to save myself more money. Uh, and in that, I had become a prick. I'd become a jerk. I didn't have any friends. People liked me because I made them money or I could give them money. Mm. And uh, in that <clears throat> moment, uh, my own kind of realization of saying, you know, where have I fallen from 2003 to 2007? I've completely falling from my uh, my faith. I was going to school to be a pastor, and now I'm at divorce's door. Uh, you know, with, with everything the world said I should be happy and successful with, I have, and none of it's made me happy. And mm-hmm. so Lisa, Lisa and I committed to working out our marriage. We went through some really good Christian counseling. By the grace of God, God saved our marriage. Uh, we really, uh, at that point, it was me deciding that I don't really know what being a godly man is. And so I, I remember going to my local church at the time and asking them. Uh, they knew we were separated, and I said, I think I know what uh, was wrong with me. They said, what's wrong with you? I I'm said, a prick. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> I, said, I said, I need someone to teach me how to be a godly man. And they said, do you need saved? I said, Lord, have mercy. Do not save me again. I've been saved like 500 times. Gotta love the I Baptist. Said, I under- That's it. I understand <laughs> salvation. I said, can someone disciple me? They said, we've never heard that before. Whoa. Yes. (laughs) And so they said, we've never heard it. We've never had a man walk in this church and say, can another man teach me how to be a man? And so the crazy thing, which changed the course of our life, is uh, they gave me a flyer to go to Iron Sharpens Iron Men's Conference in 2008. No way. Yeah. And it was there that I went to that. And uh, I quickly figured out that Tom Cheshire, who's now my boss, uh, was available and wanted to meet and was willing to invest in men. So I contacted him, shared with him. Obviously, this story that I just shared with you was a lot fresher. It was very real and was kind of, you know, we were not too far removed from our separation and struggles. Tom took me through men's fraternity, which yep, uh, yeah. tra- transformed my life, uh, really gave me... I tell people Robert Lewis taught me men's Robert Lewis taught me manhood based upon the life of Jesus and Tom Cheshire modeled it. And then I always tell people Tom was like a bicycle that I could ride on with handlebars and I could go, this is what this looks like. This is what it looks like to be a, a husband, a father, a man of God. Cause in, in the business world, when faced with a, a morality question at this time of my life, I chose making the company money, myself money, is screwing the customer. I tell people I was the guy who would have taken advantage of your mom. You would have sent your mom into my company. I would have screwed her. And then you would have called me mad. And I would have basically said, pound sand, I don't care. Yeah. And, uh, and so versus being a person of integrity that people could trust and count on and rely on, it took me a while to figure out what that really was, what that really meant, what living my life as a godly man, how to be a godly husband, a godly father, how to have godly finances, um, you know, what does this look like? And, and hit Tom really modeling that for me. And that was the beginning of our relationship, 2008, you're really moving forward, God doing a significant work in our life. We didn't have to start having kids till 2010. And so rest is history. We've been in ministry full time since 2013. And so that's, that's kind of the story. Oh man, that is, just, I didn't really know that. And that's, uh, I didn't know Tom discipled you. Are mm-hmm. you in the same church as Tom currently? Never have been. Oh, I drove, really? I was so desperate for someone to invest in me. I drove an hour once a week for a year to meet Tom at Starbucks in Springfield. I live in Decatur. 
Wow. And then what Iron Sharpens Iron event was it? Was it the Springfield event? Yeah. Oh, gosh. That is, we were just there. That's just amazing. That's an amazing. Well, you, you made a couple comments here that I am really intrigued by. But first, I want to. So you're in full time ministry. Uh, you're partnered with Tom now with Relevant Practical Ministry for Men. Can you uh, really give me the Reader's Digest mission? What is your mission with this organization? Yeah, so RPM is uh, focuses on the local church, and we everything we do is about building up the local church, making the pastor successful, uh, helping churches develop a uh, pathway and strategy to move men specifically. But we also say a lot of what we talk about is really an adult's ministry philosophy, helping people move from the audience or the pew into God's army and growing spiritually, getting people moving. And so everything RPM does, even from our Iron Sharpens Iron conference platform, is really about gathering men, capturing momentum. We use these three words, catalyze, connect, and ignite. And so we want we offer you a catalyzing men's conference that connects you to world-class resources that then we throw you into our Ignite Pathway plan, which is really meant to help you start moving every men in your church. Because most churches have some men engaged, but hardly any churches have every man engaged. In most churches, we were just with the church this morning, most churches have older men engaged because they have yeah. nothing else to do. Yeah. They're retired. They're retired. There's nothing else to do. So I guess I'll go do this kind of God thing, drink coffee, and uh, and check this spirituality thing out versus really saying, yes, that that's a snapshot of our men. But we also have you know couples, and we have married men. We have men in different seasons of life. How do we start helping each of these different areas that we have men in recognize the Bible has relevancy to all of their pain struggles? Because we, we, we tell churches that there's five ways you attract people. Dealing with pain, people, purpose, power, and play. We call it the five P's. Main one being pain. There's a lot of guys my age, married, kids, bills, problems. They're buried in all of these things. And so men my age, really from 30, I'd say to 50, have a lot of pains going on in their life. You know, I tell people all the time, you know, even if you have a good marriage, you're still scratching your head regularly at your wife going, I don't understand, for example, why I get in the van ready to go. And then we wait another 15 minutes for mom to come out and get in the van. What do you do for 15 minutes? Or for another example, you, you say, like, if you sent me to the store to get bread milk, I'm getting bread milk. You send my wife to the store to get bread milk. She comes back two and a half hours later with a whole cart full of stuff that she discovered when she got there, she needed. And so for me, just you know, even if you have a healthy marriage, you're still scratching your head with the differences uh, between men and women, right? And that, yeah. so there's a lot of men that are struggling in their marriage. Their 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 kids. You know, I have five kids from from not from eight to nine months old, and so there's a lot of things pulling on my wife and my attention. You know, and really, I just want my wife's attention, right? Yeah. And and, and also the while, you know, we have you know newborns that are crying, an eight year old that knows what's going on, and she wants this, and the boys who are selfish and and they want this, and and again. This is all going on throughout the day. And again, I just want my wife to be with me, you know, for, you know, 20 minutes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, so now list those five Ps again. Yeah, pain, people, purpose, power, and play. That's how you attract people into something in the church. So, and then I think you're hitting the nail on the head. I would term it a little differently, but we have done a great job of targeting the men who are of the Promise Keepers era. These are guys who are baby boomers, they are late 50s all the way up. But we have not targeted, I think where we fail 
is we fail to target men who are in the bubble, as I call it, the stress bubble, which is why I love Iron Sharpens Iron because the conferences you put on are one-day events. So you just show up one day. Uh, they're fairly low cost with high, high impact. I really appreciate that. So these guys you're saying, these guys in the bubble are struggling with people. Are you saying they're struggling with this or that these are ways you reach them? That's how you draw people in. So explain. So you, so, ex so you, yep. So I'll explain them all. So uh, obviously I think pain's the top one. Most men are struggling and have these pains going on underneath the surface of their life. So we, we target, uh, we call it uh, helping you get personally healthy. And so you have these issues going on underneath the surface of your life that we all know are there. And so instead of beating around the bush, let's just attack them head on and say, I'm going to take a, I'm going to take a stab and say, every man in here struggles in his marriage at one point. Every man in here is struggling with lust. Every man in here has financial struggles and woes at times. You, you struggle at parenting, you know, uh, you have, maybe you have your wayward child. I, I don't meet anyone who talks highly of their job. And so you have these pains going on at the surface of a man's life. And so when you start to show them that the Bible's relevant to their life and that the gospel uh, speaks to all of these issues, men begin to see, because most men, I think, go to church because they think it's the right thing to do. And so when you start peeling back all these layers and, and helping them identify these pain, these struggles in their life, they, you start building what we call equity. You start building equity in a man's life, and then he thinks that, and he knows that you know what you're talking about, and you're using the gospel and the context to, to draw him in. You know, Pat Morley is famous for a quote that says something like this. You know, you, you, you have to present the gospel to men, but you have to present it to, to the gospel to men in the context in which they're willing to receive it. Yeah. And so I can tell you to come to church, because here's the, here's the thing with churches. Most people say uh, you should go to church and read your Bible. You hear that all the time, right? Well, most people are probably going to church because they think it's the right thing to do. And, and, and you hear all the time, read your Bible, read your Bible, read your Bible. People aren't reading their Bible, right? And so I think it's really helping people. We have to make the Bible come alive for people. We have to show the people where the Bible fits into their life. And in the context of a relationship, one-on-one, -on -one, helping men identify these things from a big church perspective, helping them identify these things. And that's pain. So people, everyone wants a friend, right? I say in, in 2018, men are friendless in 2018. Yeah. They don't have real friends. They think they think they have Facebook friends. And you go, those aren't friends, man. Uh, you know, having real friends, you have a real relationship with men, won't admit it, but they're craving that. And so a lot of times... Uh, from a pastoral leadership perspective, we have to model that relationship. And so just like before I, I got on this with you guys, I was with a group of four guys at a subway. And I, I said, I think today we just need to pray for each other. And I'm going to model some transparency. And I'm going to share with you some real struggles in my life that 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 are intimate. They're personal. They're private to me. And not that I would care if you went and told everybody, but they're, they're, they're not something that I would put on Facebook or they're not something that I would put out on a banner and go, these are my problems right now. Yeah. And so men are looking for friends. So that's paying people purpose. Everybody wants, you know, it's that whole significance. It's the whole, you know, the, the purpose driven life book. You know, what on earth am I here for? They're looking to figure out the purpose of life. What What is the objective? You know, and the, what is the most people think we were just with a church this morning. Most people think the goal of being a Christian is to go to church and you go. Man, like you're, you're you're missing out on a personal relationship with a real, active, live God who wants to transform you, who wants to know you intimately and personally, and so pain people purpose power. So that's the idea of 
of recognizing the you know men men like to be noticed men want to be given responsibility men like to be called up and, and challenged and so in that you know just calling men up and, and encouraging them challenging them giving them purpose and responsibility paying people purpose power play having fun you know we, we often neglect the fun side and I and I used to not be a fan of church softball uh, until at our church we would uh, invite a lot of people to come play that never even came to church. And so then it became a really cool mission field and guys, all they're wanting to do is relive their high school days. They're just wanting to try to hit home runs again. Uh, What they're really going to do is blow out their Achilles heel uh, or something like that. Seen that, but but (laughs) just, just having fun. And so like, again, we were at this church this morning. I was just encouraging them have fun without pouring the gospel on people. So like, Let's just be with each other and, and have fun with each other. And through a relationship over a long period of time, the gospel will come up. I don't have to. I don't have to spit the gospel on you every time I'm with you. I can just be Tom. And and through me allowing Jesus just to kind of pour out of me as I'm doing life, just being a regular guy who has faults and hangups and mess ups, uh, and then opportunities to you know show how Jesus is real in my life. And that's for me how we attract people. And, that, and the five P's or how you attract women. It's how you draw people in to take a closer look at God, in our opinion. Yeah, that's really good. Hey, we're going to take a 30-minute break and come back. We're going to hear from our sponsors. Let's do a 30-second break. Let's do a 30-minute break. (laughs) I'm just kidding. Hey, we'll be right back. The Man Card Podcast is a 501c3 nonprofit organization that's building an army of men who are becoming the best version of themselves and changing their world. The war to change your world is epic. Every battle counts and every man in the arena matters. So get in the game by joining our closed Facebook forum for men called The Men in the Arena. There, you'll lock arms with men from all around the world who are stepping up as their best version. What is a man? What does he do? How does he live? When does he know when he's crossed over from male to man? The lines defining manhood have become blurred, and guys today are more confused than ever. That's why I wrote the man card, five characteristics separating men from boys. Guys, you're going to love this book. Go to the Great Unforgot app or mancardpodcast.com and pick up a copy today. No book written defines manhood in such a way as this. I'll put the man card next to any book ever written on the topic. Yes, I believe it's that good. In the man card, I expose several myths of manhood and draw a line in the sand between men and males. This book will change your life. Guys, thank you so much for jumping into the arena with us today and championing the greatest battle of our time. Become your best version. Join the fight to change your world because when you get it, everyone wins. Hey, Tom, so I hear what you're saying about these five Ps, and I guess my pushback, I I like to pain, people, purpose, power, and play. I think Mm -hmm. the problem is I don't think that they're equal doses to each group, male or female. I think men need more play, and I Mm -hmm. think men need more talk about purpose. And I think what happens in the church is we make everything generic, I mean, one of my beefs when I hear men's speakers is they take a church, a sermon that they put together at their church, and they give it to men and call it a men's message. Well, no, it's not a men's message. It's generic and vanilla, and it makes me want to puke. And so I think sometimes what we do is we build these ministries. I I would caution people against don't build a ministry and target men if you could also target women, because men, what I have found is men rally around a purpose. They rally around a, a war. They rally around a hobby. They rally around play, where women rally around people. 
and women rally around other things. And so we have to, so I love what you're saying. I would say church, that softball team is so important because you're getting guys to rally around something that is play centric or, or even purpose centric, you know, a missions stream, a team or a men's ministry team. That's super. I really appreciate that. Hey, I want to go back to something that you said earlier. You said that this is going back to when your marriage was struggling and I want to I want to tackle this. I think it's really important for us. You said that I really believe that men are really compartmentalized, which is why a man can rally around purpose and rally around play. And some of my deepest relationships were birthed out of these things, with where I rallied behind a deer hunt or I this death ruck. We're going to create lifelong friendships with these guys because we suffered together for two days straight. And so there is that, and I think part of that for men is because we are so compartmentalized. We're very, very compartmentalized, and so so much so that you can be a success in your business, and people are like cheering you on, you're the man, you're the man, and then your wife is giving you the I'm leaving you speech. So how, how, how can you, how do we, you and I, how do we address this issue with men that, hey, just because you're a success at work does not mean you're a success here. How do you deal with the compartmentalization of men in, in RPM? Yeah, so I, I would encourage men to really find their value in a personal relationship with Jesus. And I realize that doesn't make a lot of sense to a lot of people who maybe just attend church and sing the songs and listen to the sermons. But when you a- actually start to engage the God of the Bible, who the Bible says that the Word of God is active and alive. And so when you start to engage the real God found in the Scriptures, and it starts to become real for you— um, my value no longer becomes on my career success. And so when I left my career, people thought I had lost it. They thought I had went off the deep end. I had a lot of family that was upset with me. A lot of people that uh, gave me a lot of pushback said I wasn't leading my family well. And what we discovered was most folks' identity, they're okay with Jesus as long as they have the right house. As long as Jesus doesn't ruin the American dream. Correct. Yes. And so when I came along and said, not only am I leaving this job, we're selling all of our stuff and we're downsizing and we're going to completely live counterculture to the world. Everyone got really upset with us. We actually lost a lot of Christian friends at the time. Uh, but the cool thing was that the Lord had united my wife and I on the same front and we felt like it was what God wanted us to do. And what we tell people is that's not for everybody. The way we live is not for everybody. God's called us to live this way. And, and we're never going to criticize you for having a half million dollar house and and driving brand new cars because that's your life. But the way that God's called us to live is is different than the way some other people have been called uh, to live as well. Well, I think you hit the nail on the head. You were just kind of ton- joking a little bit with your Baptist thing and your rededication and altar calls. But there's something to that that really need, we need to address. And it's this. It's this idea that Jesus will make your life better. And really, it's just the opposite. He makes it he destroys it. He ruins it. He wrecks it. He stirs it upside down. He deconstructs your American model and your American mindset, and he reconstructs it. Now, yes, ultimately your life is better by far, but initially, I mean, your life is ruined because your whole paradigm has shifted, and you realize that this American—you you had said this earlier. You said the American dream has problems, and I thought, man, that's so true because what I hear in your story, Tom, is that God flipped your American dream upside down and he replaced it with something more substantial, more authentic, 
more real and more lasting. What do you think yes. about that? Uh, absolutely. And so I tell people, people ask me, how, how did you make the decision to leave the job making six figure income? I said, I, I was 27. <laughs> and I, <laughs> wow. And I, and I, and I looked back over my short life and said, I am very displeased with the life that I have lived. Uh, I'm not, um, I don't feel fulfilled. And I said, so then I said, if I live to be 75 and I look back over my life and I had managed a successful company, made hundreds of thousands of dollars a year, maybe stockpiled millions of dollars, drove the right house or right car, had the right house, had the right clothes, went on the right vacation, sent the kids to the right school. Well, I have been happy with the life that I lived. And I still say no. And so the life that I would that I will be happy with is looking back over my life at 75 and saying, man, we, our marriage went the distance. We have a, a, a personal, deep relationship with God. We raised children who, Lord willing, know him and are pursuing him. They've married they've married spouses that love the Lord and are and we're, we're chasing after God. And I may leave this world with no worldly possessions, uh, but for me— it's about leaving a godly legacy, and it's about uh, you know hearing those words from the Lord when I stand before Him. Well done, good and faithful servant. More than it is accomplishing and, and achieving world uh, possessions and things. And not to say that there's anything wrong with any of those things, but for my life, God had to completely cut them out and completely redirect me in, to a radical way of living and chasing after Him. That uh, was you're absolutely right. It was it was upside down. It was painful at times. But in that pruning process was tremendous fruit, was tremendous growth spiritually, um, things that I had uh, really never thought that I could even uh, understand or grasp. The Lord has kind of brought us to the spot of, you know, maybe knowing and understanding some of these things. That's really good. Well, what, what I hear you saying, Tom, is God deconstructed your definition of wealth. How would you define wealth now? So the Bible says uh, children are a blessing from the Lord, and uh, you should have a quiver full of them. And so now that I have five, I tell people my heart is full and my quiver is full. And so wealth to me is having a, a great marriage and uh, raising good children and uh, having a great family. And that's where I find all my value. Because if you ask men, check this out, if you, if you ask a man to tell him about himself, he doesn't say, my name is Tom. Uh, my wife is Lisa. My kids are. He says, my name is Tom. And I do and I this for a living. <laughs> and I manage a multi-million dollar yeah, exactly. company. Exactly. Yeah. No, that is so good. Well, my quiver on my bow only holds six. And so after that, I guess you have to be a Mormon. So, <laughs> <laughs> or Catholic, Catholic, right? Catholic. Anyway. Hey, so a couple things, man. I, I love what you're saying. I, I'm resonating with you right now. And I want to address something that you had talked about. I see as a massive problem in the, uh, a massive misunderstanding with men and um you know you're talking about God and the Lord and 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 changing your life and all that uh but you also talked about I think you said earlier in the podcast I grew up in the local church and then you also said that men go to church because it's the right thing to do the, the and I agree with you 100% what I have noticed about the local church I'm getting ready to keynote at an event in September with men from the second richest county in the country and it is the most broken. They look really good-looking guys, man. Good-looking, sharp dressers. But they are the most broken group of guys I've I've worked with. They're just broken. And one of the things I've realized is, and this, I said this at seminars. I've said this at your guys' seminars. 
that sometimes we go, well, God does this, but then when I look in the church, when I look at the church, I see the divorce rates in the church is the same as outside the church. I have run into some horrible, horrible men to quote you, I would say they're pricks in the church. But I've run into some great guys outside of the church. And so I, I wrestle with the tension between the church and not the church. And you gave an answer early on, and I want you to go back to it. Can you explain the difference between guys in church and guys who really are sold out for Christ? Because that's really yeah, what I heard you saying, right? I heard you yeah. saying that. Okay, so can you yes. explain that to me? Yeah, so uh, I, I never want to uh, discount uh, church participation, church membership. The church is the bride of Christ. Agreed. And, and so I do think to say, and everyone says, well, we're two or three or more gathered. There he is with us. Yes. However, we choose to call those church buildings, and we all meet in those buildings. And so those are kind of how we make up a church, in my opinion. And so I never want to take any anything away from a church. In fact, we— direct and and we only want to work with churches and pastors to, to develop their men spiritually. And so in saying that though, um, having a deep personal intimate relationship with the Lord, you realize that there's way more than just a Sunday service. You realize that it's a daily walk with God, that it's a 24 seven relationship. You realize uh, like Luke 9, 23, 24 talks about daily dying, daily dying, it says. And so I always reference the daily. I get hung up on the daily. It's a daily relationship. You have to daily go before God. And so it's not a it's not a once a week check off the list. It's it's a, my feet hit the floor and Satan cringes because he's afraid of what I'm going to do today to take back territory for the kingdom of God away from him. And so it's men who have this vibrant, healthy personal relationship with Jesus. It's men who are tuned in to their pastor, because this is what a lot of pastors want to hear. They want to hear from men, pastor, I want to, I, I believe that God's called you to pastor this church. I believe that God's given you a mission and vision. And this is the key word pastors want to hear. Pastor, I'm here to help you be successful. I'm here to help you advance the kingdom of God here through this church, through what you believe God's wanting you to do. Whereas what happens with a lot of men's ministry guys is they end up wanting to pull away from their local church and do something separate from what the church is trying to accomplish. And everything we do is get in tune with your pastor, get in lockstep, be under the authority of your pastor and pastor, what do you need me to do to help you be success successful? And in turn, pastor will say what he needs you to do to help him advance the cause of Christ at that church. But it's men who have this gospel perspective on every area of their life. So it's, you know, I'm, I'm, in, I'm in my marriage and I get up on a Monday morning and my wife's, uh, you know, she's not a morning person. She gets up, she has a bad attitude. So instead of basically going, well, I have a bad attitude back at you now, it's sweetheart. How can I wash you with the word? How can I, how can I pray for you? How can I encourage you? It's children dealing with difficult situations in life. And how can we point you towards the gospel and, and, and find grace in God's word to help you deal with the, the difficult situations in your life. And so everything about you, you're sold out for God. You, the word Jesus freak comes to mind. So you, you wake up, you're just excited about life. You have this vigor for chasing after God. Also, the while life's not easy, it's messy, it's difficult. Sin is sin is kind of always lurking. First Peter five eight, you know, says that the enemy is like a roaring lion seeking to devour you. And so I tell people, if you ever watch the National Geographic channel, lions don't attack a big guy like me. I'd be the big bull. They go attack the isolated, the lame, the weak. Yep. So their strength, their strength in number, their strength in community. 
their strength in relationships. And so in that, helping guys really see that uh, Jesus wants us to be connected to the body. He wants us to, to know people intimately. He wants us to, you know, be giving of our time, talents, and resources. And so that was kind of a, a definition really all over the place. Um, but it's, you're sold out for God. I mean, when people see you, they see Jesus in your life. And that doesn't mean that you're weak because Jesus wasn't weak. Jesus was a very strong man. Uh, Jesus, I tell people, cause people call me all the time with a, with a problem or difficulty at work or in their life. And they'll go, how should I handle it? And I'll go, well, how did Jesus handle it? And they'll go, I don't know. And I'll go, have you read the Bible? And I said, Jesus dealt with everything we've dealt with. He had people lie on him, cheat him, people attempting to murder him. He, he was he, all of these different scenarios that Jesus was put through, even by his own family. And he, he, he modeled them in a God honoring way. And so we need not look any further than the Bible to find out how we deal with every difficult situation in life. And I tell people, once you read the Bible enough, you begin to, to understand and learn the character of God. And so a lot of times someone may call me and ask me a question, and I may not have a specific scripture reference, but since I understand the character of God and I know how God would deal with a situation, you go, well, I can tell you for sure he's not going to act that way. Because a lot of people want to get angry and they want to act in revenge, and you can go yeah. – can't find that anywhere in the Bible, bro. I, I can't tell you scripture references right now, but I can assure you that, that that behavior is not in the scriptures. What is? Being being uh, looked upon as weak, uh, loving the person anyways, turning the other cheek, you know, and so this counterculture behavior to how the world wants to act is how the gospel would have us act. Well, and it's really interesting because, uh, you know, you said Jesus freak. That phrase is disruptive. Over and over again, you've you've kind of defended people who own a ton of things and all that. And I'm all about that. Don't, I own a house. I own cars. I own guns. But you're absolutely right. Does God have your time, your talents, and your resources? It's disruptive when we talk to Americans in our culture because even in the Christian sector, we are all about getting more stuff. I mean, I'm polluted by that. I'm polluted by that. And so that is disruptive. Jesus said, sell everything. I guess the bigger question, Tom, for people would be, are you willing to sell everything you have and come follow you, come follow him. Are you willing to do that? Because Jesus is disruptive. I love what you said that you bring the gospel perspective into every area of life. You know, of the five aspects of our man card, the summit of manhood is pursuing God passionately and not pursuing pursuing church passionately, but pursuing God. Now, Dale and and uh, Pat and myself were all leaders in our local churches either pastoral staff or eldership. And so we love and believe in the local church, but we also acknowledge that it's not the local church that changes you. It's it's God who changes you, and he uses the local church to keep changing and keep ministering to us. And so I love your concept of the gospel perspective in every day. And while you're talking, something hit me. You said that we need to have, we need to address people in their pain with other people, purpose, power, and play. And when a guy gets it, when a guy really gets this God thing and he moves it from church to a relationship with Jesus Christ, God meets him in his pain. God brings him the right people. God gives him a fresh and alive purpose. God endues him with power from on high. And God gives him the ability to not only enjoy life, but to play in life and experience it in freedom 
without the bondage of sin, without the bondage of debt, without these things, and and to truly experience life to the fullest. So the play that we have as 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 God's men should be better than anybody else because we don't have to water it down with alcoholism or drugs or pornography or or our wife is mad at us because we're always doing this, but that there's a blessing behind it. And so I, I love what you're saying, man. It's like everything is there, but we so so you guys with RPM so your your heartbeat is to get these guys in church, and you have the cogs. You have the cogs. In fact, on your shirt right now, I see the the cog. Is that a motorcycle or a bike cog? But whatever it is, it's these gears moving these guys through the process, right? So you would love to go in and start with that guy who's rough, who's who's worldly, who's not plugged in, and you move him through that process, right? I mean, that's your heartbeat. Yeah. So we would like to show and help the local church do that in every church. Uh, and reach every man. And so uh, not to discount that uh, we're conduit to help connect people to the Lord, but the the God's the one who does the transformation. Correct. And so, and so he does the heavy lifting guys will call me all the time and they'll say, I'm trying to get this guy to change. (laughs) And, and, and through my, through my uh, discipling relationships that I've been a part of, I spent the first couple years trying to get guys to change. And I would come home frustrated and I tell my wife, this guy's wasting my time. He's not changing. And my wife would always encourage me, you know, just keep loving him, you know, keep supporting him. And one day the Holy Spirit really dropped a word on me. And the Holy Spirit said to me, um, would you stop doing my job? You're not even doing it well. Mm. And, uh, and so then I, I remember processing that uh, uh, in my time with God and the Lord really saying, Tom, it's my do- job to change. It's your job to love. And yeah. so all of my all of my discipleship strategy is centered around gracefully loving men where they're at, encouraging them to take steps closer to Christ, because Jesus is the one who changes them. And so if I can connect a man to the word and get him into the word, then God does the heavy lifting. Well, and where we all come to him broken on some level, right? And so we're broken, and so uh, we need him to fix us. And that's the thing that's frustrating, because... I guess for me, what I look at is I go, does this is this guy even at a point where he's willing to let God do a miracle? Because I can't help him. I have no power and authority. Is this guy willing to? Is he is you know sometimes most broken guys out there that look like they can't fix themselves. They're the ones that are right there next to the door unlocking a miracle. It's really fun to watch, and so that's really good stuff, man. Hey, I have a question for you, and this is kind of the last question before we leave. So here at the Man Card Podcast, we believe that manhood, the Man Card, is five things. Protecting integrity, fighting apathy, pursuing God passionately, leading courageously, and finishing strong. So, Tom, which of those five stands out the most to you personally? Uh, fighting apathy. I would say fighting apathy because I think uh, folks get comfortable in life, and uh, next thing you know, you look up, and uh, there was a man very important in my life who came to me probably two years ago and said, I'm 62 years old. What happened to the last 40 years of my life? Mm. And, uh, and I remember saying to him, life does go by in the blink of an eye, really, doesn't it? And, uh, he said, I missed everything, didn't I? And I said, yeah, you did, dad, you missed everything. (laughs) Wow. Except for the future. Absolutely. You know, one of my favorite poems is a, it says, uh, I don't know who wrote it, but it says, though you can't go back and make a brand new start, my friend, everyone can start from now and make a brand new end. And so there's always hope for the broken. There's always hope for the wasted life. There's always hope for those guys who, who uh, didn't do what they should have done early on in life. And uh, so, hey, man, I Tom, I really appreciate what you're doing. Tell old Tom 
I said hello. <laughs> and uh, keep fighting the fight, man. We're super excited. So how do these guys get a hold of you? What's a website if they want to bring RPM into their church? Because you guys really are kind of equipping the systematic approach to men's ministry, right? You're you're yeah. not saying, here's our curriculum. You're saying, here's a system that will help you go through this process of catalyzation, connection, ignition, and then also you include coaching, maturing, and the local church ultimately being strengthened, right? And yes, so, sir. Uh, so of those things, so how can they reach you if they want you to come in and equip? Are you only uh, limited to that uh, Indiana, Illinois area, or are you open to others? Well, yeah, that's our footprint, but uh, we're happy to uh, video call, talk over the phone, uh, work with churches, and so... The, yeah, so we, we would talk with anyone anywhere, and so you can go to our website, RPMFM, so that's Relevant Practical Ministry for Men, so it's rpmfm.org. You can contact us via our email or cell phones there. Happy to chat, happy to talk about our stories. Uh, we're just uh, we're just concerned about making uh, Jesus famous and advancing the gospel. Well, you guys are doing a great job in the Indiana, Illinois uh, sector, so thank you so much, man, for coming on. Thanks for being in the fight. It's cool to hear your story. So someday I'll meet your wife. Yes. I have not met her yet. So, hey, thanks so much for coming on. Hey, guys, you've been listening to the Man Card Podcast. Changing your world is the toughest thing you'll ever do. But we want to give you three simple steps to encourage you in the toughest journey of your life. First one, guys, enlist. Download our free app. It is amazing. I love this app. It's got so many tools on there for you. It is free. Number two, subscribe to the Man Card Podcast if you haven't done so already. And then the third, the next one is join the Men in the Arena Closed Facebook Forum for Men. We are growing that thing. It's grown by over 1,000 guys a month. It's just exploding. Get involved in what I believe is the best open forum to discuss manhood out there. Number two, guys, invest. Get our resources. If you don't like our resources, get somebody else's resources. We don't care. Invest in your life and so that you can become the best version of the man that God has called you to. And the third thing, guys, is this. Just change your world. Get involved in championing the causes you care about. If summer's coming with a great hunt for God, we'd love to get a summer donation from you. Otherwise, give to your community, give to your church. Find a cause that you care deeply about and become a champion. Join us, guys, in building an army of men in the arena who are becoming their best version and changing their world because when a man gets it, everyone wins. Until next time, feel the wet sand of the arena floor. Hear the deafening roar of the crowd. Taste the sweetness of victory. Smell the stench of battle. Get in the game. Get dirty. Grind it out. And be a man. This is Dale Culver, and you've been listening to the Man Card Podcast. Has your man card been challenged today? If you hunger to be the best version of you, then join the thousands of men around the country on our closed Facebook forum called The Men in the Arena. This is the best place to have open discussions around the topic of manhood. Also, make sure you ask about our newest equipping opportunity called the Man Card Weekend with the men in the arena. Let us inspire the men of your organization to become the best version of themselves today. And don't forget to purchase a copy of Jim's new book, The Man Card, Five Characteristics Separating Men from Boys. This is the best book out there that defines what a man is and does. In it, Jim combines his master storytelling abilities with his no-holds-barred style distinguishing between men and boys. 
you want to keep your man card, then pick up a copy of this life-changing book today. Simply go to the Great Hunt for God app or mancardpodcast.com and pick up a copy today. Thank you for listening to this episode, The Man Card Podcast. This is Dale Culver signing off. Until next time, join our army and become the best version of you. Get in the arena. Let the world feel the full weight of who you are. Grind it out. Be a man. What type of dad are you? Guys, in my 35 years of ministry, I've noticed that guys basically fall into two categories. And in those categories, there are four types of dad or four phases that you pass through as a dad. We just dropped an amazing quiz to help you discover what type of dad you are. Find out what type of father you are and get our custom resources fit to meet the needs and the questions you are asking. Head on over to menarena.org. Join 20,000 men's from around the world and find out the type of dad you are.